Welcome to the last possibly ever good news Friday edition of Adam versus the man. Uh, very excited about our big announcement coming up formally on Wednesday next week, but we've teased this ad next Tuesday. It's going to be our last full show with none other than Australian MP David Lembrick as our guest. And then uh, Wednesday, we'll do a quick sign off to end. Uh, end the season to round out this version, this format of Adam versus the man to come back a few weeks later as a weekly Wednesday evening show. We're going to be doing four hours every Wednesday. I hope for those of you who are listening live, that that's a little easier time to come in live and put your comments and be a part of this conversation. Cause it's so much fun. I love this audience. I love what we're able to do with this show, with this format, with producer Jim, with, executive uh, producer, uh, sorry, CEO, Joey, and soon-to-be ombudsman, Ed Valle, who joins us as co-host today. We've also got Jay Nygaard, gogreenenergyonline.com. Jay Nygaard, the turbine guy, is our guest today, joining us on the hour. And with that, oh, we got a lot of good news, obviously, stacked up. Some of it we teased Ed yesterday. We are going to cover... A couple of COVID stories, but don't worry, they're good news. Not as good as you think, but good nonetheless. And with that, Jim, give us the producer notes. What's going on? Good morning. Wonderful Friday, everybody. Our our show is so prepped and ready to go today, even though we're a few minutes late. Our guest is already kicking it backstage, hanging yeah. out. With us, so that's cool. Uh, he'll be he'll be nice and prepped and ready for the beginning of the uh, top of the hour. Uh, t.me forward slash Adam versus demand. That's where you can go to see all the links of everything we're going to cover today. we got a relatively short list because I think we're going to get into some really good news. So if you want to follow along with that, you can do so on Telegram at t.me forward slash Adam versus man. Free to join for everybody. Uh, we encourage you to do so. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus demand. That's where you can uh, support the show financially. we got one, five, ten, even $50 a month packages. $10 a month will get you to the... Uh, Private Producers Club, which we share links ahead of the show with. Uh, so it's always a good time if you want to be involved, get involved at patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. Next, we check out Instagram at the Garden of Freedom is where Adam shows all kinds of pictures of the fur babies and life of the four seasons up there in Gardenia. If you want to check out all kinds of cool pictures and videos, good high quality, search at the Garden of Freedom on Instagram and get yourself following that for all kinds of good pictures and videos. Next, homefrontbattlebuddies.com, the best veterans nonprofit organization aiming to use alternative therapies to end the need for combat veterans in the first place. If you'd like to know how they plan on doing that or help them in their efforts, all of your donations to homefrontbattlebuddies.com are theft deductible, the best thing about it. So definitely get yourself involved in that if you feel so inspired. Next, we check out the crypto, the number six.com. The Bitcoin church that was raided up in Keene, New Hampshire. We've reminded you every single day because we feel like it's that important that this story get told because it's a bunch of bullshit, government bullshit going on, you know, the score. So if you have, you're sitting flush on any cryptocurrencies, you can donate some of those here to their legal funds or write to Mr. Nobody Who's Still in a Cage. Do all that via the crypto, the number six.com. And next, 
Our guest today is the creator of the awesome website we tell you about every day, gogreenenergyonline.com. You want to know more about solar panels, micro wind power. You just want to know about getting your home, zero energy home, getting off grid no matter where you live. You can educate yourself to do it yourself at gogreenenergyonline.com. If you have any questions for Mr. Nygaard, he'll be on at the top of the hour. We're excited about that. Thank you very much. Here we go. All right. With that, let's get Ed up on stage here. And I'm, I'm afraid we got to start. Yeah, we gotta start. We gotta start our show with some COVID vitamins today. But we got good news. We got good news on the COVID front, and it's it's like I said, it's not it's not as good as it's not like oh yes, the religion of COVIDism has given up the ghost and decided to go away once and for all. Wouldn't that be nicer? The the hysteria is gone. No, not not exactly realistic here. But we have this headline from the Washington Post at MSN.com: A school, or I'm sorry. That's skipping ahead one. First, InfoWars. We start with InfoWars.com today. Excuse me. We need more of this. High school students stage walkout over mask mandate. Fed up students chant, no more masks, no more masks. Protests, signs, read medical tyranny, our school, our choice, and I can't breathe. So quick rundown on what's actually happening here. Yeah. Play that video. That's awesome. Uh, students at two Denver, two high schools in Denver have reportedly staged walkouts over mask mandates. Uh, there are, you see cars in the video driving by honking in support in that video, I believe. Uh, similar scene further east at Legend High School where students marched onto a roadway carrying protest signs reading, medical tyranny, our school, our choice, and I can't breathe. So this is really, uh, you know, a positive thing for me when I'm just I'm so encouraged seeing this kind of youth activism. The timing of this it is as Tri-County health officials on Monday voted to require masks for all children to end up at schools and daycare facilities and rescinded the ability for individual counties to be able to opt out of health orders. So no, you can't as a county or as an individual set your own level of risk according to the authorities. And there was a statement from the Denver County School District uh, about the walkouts, quote, the Douglas County School District continues to balance the challenges of the ongoing COVID pandemic. We will follow the recent public health order issued by the Tri-County Health Department, which requires all students and staff in preschool through 12th grade to wear a mask while inside school buildings. Additionally, we will work with our families and staff members who cannot tolerate a mask due to medical or mental health reasons. Our goal is to keep our students and staff in the classroom for in-person learning. So I, I have like a lot of things I want to say about this. Ed, you're, you got, you want to celebrate this one first mm -hmm. before, I, before I start picking things apart? Actually, I'm not picking apart uh anything in these protests as far as i know it's 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 beautiful pure grassroots student driven shit it happens every time kids see an opportunity to get out of class <laughs> well at least this one's legitimate yeah yeah i mean i, I hey i'm all for it i'm all for it man you know you think, you think, well i mean the any excuse ed i don't i, I that, that's picking it apart that's kind of poking kind of popping the bubble for me here. Like, really, you think you think that's more of the motivation? Maybe for, for the students there. Um, but especially now, I think 
those students are considering that they're going to there there are potential consequences for them doing this, yeah. uh, not just as organizers, but even just attending, especially after they saw what happened to the people who were at the Capitol on January sixth, right? Protesting is is a new. I mean, the government tells you you have a right to peaceably assemble and petition us for redress of grievances, and then. You do it, and they say, "No, no, 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 not like that." You're under not arrest. Like that. Yeah, I agree with Lois. I have to imagine that high school kids around the country feel this way, or there yeah. are kids that feel this way everywhere. But you know, not all of them are daring enough to come out and say so in public. But they're starting to find their balls. And yeah, how, so how many of them will face, and how severe will they face? Uh, punishments or whatever from home retribution sure i'm sure somebody's gonna at school and at home you know somebody's gonna squeeze them but it's gonna happen it's gonna happen i'm hopeful for a peaceful small victory for the students here why do why do i say that uh uh because a, a, a big victory uh i don't think is realistic but a sort of moderate change in mask policy Maybe not. Well, we can't, we're the school. We can't, you know, we can't just tell the state government to fuck off, but we can read between the lines and say our interpretation is if we see someone without a mask, we assume you have a health issue and we don't say anything. And and, and that would be pretty a pretty big victory, uh, significant, but relatively small. Wow, 13 viewers today, 257,000 subs. Yeah. That's the measure of shadow banning. I, I mean, we have comments yeah. though coming, and and, and I, on the radio, I didn't remember I did radio for uh, a, a while after my congressional campaign in 2010. Uh, the general rule of thumb in talk radio, AM talk radio at the time, was you get one caller for every thousand listeners over an hour. And I, I don't think it's quite the same for comments watching live, uh, but we there's no way it's only 13, given that. I mean, we've got almost that many people commenting like every yeah. day. Yeah, um, people all over the place. I, I mean, there's there's two kinds of shadow banning, uh, or or two different tactics that maybe well, one is definitely at play here, and one may be at play, um, but one is just taking taking us out of everybody's feet. So we go live. They don't announce it. They don't put it in notifications. Uh, you subscribe to my channel on YouTube. And YouTube says, ha ha, just kidding. You were not going to actually respect that you subscribe to that guy, not that guy. Um, and so a lot of them, a lot of, and, and, and what they'll do sometimes I think is, is give them notifications for a while and then drop it off once I get a strike or something. So, I mean, I, the thing I hear most often relevant to this is, oh, where have you been? I've been subscribed to your channel. How come you haven't been producing any videos? Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, but then the other Adam, one is the I, I agree with Jay. Jay says I, he's getting notifications. I'm getting notifications. But Google know that we're expecting notifications by our online profiles that they have all of our stuff, okay? There's no way in hell you're going to tell me that they're sending out a quarter of a million notices that this show has started. There's no way in hell. No way in hell. They are they they know who wants to see this show. They know who's expect they're sending the notifications to them, but they aren't sending the notifications to those other two hundred you know yeah. fifty thousand. You know how people. they do it. I've no seen way. 
I've literally seen video YouTube videos, people demonstrating this with screen captured videos of their YouTube. Uh, they'll go to a person's channel and they'll hit that little bell to get the notifications and then they'll right. log out of their YouTube and they'll reopen it and the bell's unclicked. Like YouTube automatically unclicks the notification yeah. bell for who knows how many. And and like Ed said, I'm sure that they, they have an algorithm that has calculated who would notice the difference and who wouldn't. And they just exactly. have all the people that aren't going to pay attention and don't notice the difference. And they make sure to send the notifications to the people that would notice, you know, exactly. And, so, and the people that would say something about it. The other thing, of course, is the manipulation of the numbers themselves. And there's so many different things and hypotheticals in that, that we could speculate on. I'm not going to get into, but I will tell you all that this is something we are incorporating into the strategy with this break coming back with a weekly model. And I think having a greater proportion of the effort for Adam versus the man going into prep and distribution and promotion rather than airtime uh, is you know a little more quality rather than quantity, but it also rep represents a strategic shift to possibly try to address this. So stay tuned uh while we are not going to be broadcasting live directly uh in this format for the next three weeks starting next wednesday uh i will be very active on telegram uh so t.me slash adam versus the man but back to the COVID high school protest story a small peaceful victory might be one that can be easily replicated across the country Oh, yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, Adam, you know, I went to uh, to Winslow last night for the memorial dinner and and everything for my neighbor, Carl, fellow veteran, Army sergeant who passed away this month. Well, in August, passed away in August from a brain tumor that he developed. And he only developed that brain tumor very recently because we know he had he had suffered an injury where they did check on him and he had no tumor okay then he went on 426 and got the moderna vaccine at safeway okay i begged him not to but he got it anyway um after his memorial last night which was very beautiful i went and stayed at his place okay and i looked around to find that card and i found it okay i copied it out and I was I was wrong. He didn't develop the brain tumor after he got the first shot. He de developed the brain tumor after he got the second shot because he went back to the safe way that he was at there in Winslow and got the second shot a month later on 521. Developed a brain tumor in less than two months and it killed him. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out, most brain tumors today that are identified by modern medicine are either not fatal or treatable or manageable. So to have one that kills you out of the blue that fast is uh, somewhat of an anomaly. I'm just reporting what I find out. That's all I know is it don't look good to me. I, it's, a, it's a shitty situation that we find ourselves in having to rely on uh, uh, individual cases. What's the term uh, for you know, data? Um, anecdotal. Anecdotal, thank you, anecdotal evidence. Uh, but it, in a sense, we all have to kind of piece things together right now 
about as, as opposed to having uh, the basic communication resources of technology and, and society being applied to just aggregate information accurately. And when they hide that from us, I mean, that, that pisses me off so much, like at a, at a deep intellectual level of this racket. I got to think high school kids are aware of that too. You know, I remember at the beginning of this thing, there was, I, I, I mean, high school kids were mocking it because it was like, oh, boomers want us to fucking take precautions and change our lives because old people are dying slightly faster than they did before. Fuck that. You know, there, there, that was the general attitude that I saw out of at least a lot of high schoolers who were paying attention during the early days of COVID. So I got to imagine now they only know better and they're only getting more sick of it. And I suppose the timing with the protests coming now is more about coming back to school this fall and being like, wait, we're still playing pandemic? No, no, nah, nah, we're not. And because and they know. And I would like to, I and mean, we saw that, that homeschooling doubled from what about five percent of american children to ten percent uh being two and a half million before the pandemic and about uh, 2.6 and now five million uh and it's probably underreported right oh yeah of course uh and there are more coming uh there's certainly a lot more people who are planning on on getting their kids out of government school as soon as they get their logistics together and, and i understand that there's a certain parental responsibility that i don't understand in, in your situation, if you're a parent with a kid in a government school, but I still encourage you, get them out if you can. All right, we got a super chat inside of the ages for $5. My work is mandating these. I'm staying home today in protest. Mandating these, Probably these not. masks or band-aids or what? What's your job? I'd love More to hear that, some follow-up yeah. on this. But thank you, inside of the ages. Also, some of the things that they can hide in the statistics in manipulating the medical data like VAERS the uh, you know federal vaccine adverse event reporting system, where you know that it's some small fraction of what's actually happening for side effects being reported, but then I think of like employment statistics. Um, we have another good news story skipping ahead that says half of small businesses have uh, unfilled positions. That's good news for me to make me feel better. That's not really good news. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, but I would hope that this it's not like the straw that broke the camel's back but that this is sort of the 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 last big dose of bullshit from the government education system that's going to make kids go no don't send me there you know no like as soon as kids are like understanding of the options they're going to say eh you know no i i, I don't want to be a part of this and they're just not going to have any credibility as educators. I mean, it's bad enough that so many government schools look like prisons and that you're in cemetery row seating and you're in an artificially regimented lifestyle that is a hindrance to a child's natural learning process. All right, what's this follow-up? Mandating the vaccine going forward. The, he was talking about vaccines, not masks yeah. at his work. Going forward, the vaccine is a condition of new hires. That sucks. Talking... Uh, unvaxxed will be required to wear masks even when alone, identifying us. Yeah, now it's that Star of David, isn't it? Um, 
what's the job though? And this is another thing where I think like there's some of these statistics with employment and employee policies that they're not really, I, I wonder how much are they going to be able to hide? I mean, they got to like, remember the, the bit, there is one core statistical fraud at the heart of all COVIDism right now. And they are open about it. And from the beginning, we were told we were crazy conspiracy theorists spreading medical misinformation who needed to be censored because we would point out that if you died with COVID or the positive COVID test, even if it wasn't from COVID, that is a COVID death, according to government statistics. So it's like redefining the word vaccine. But in terms of the threat of this, the death numbers being way blown out, now I, people have got to be like, I, kids have got to be seen through this. The other, we have another comment here. Carrier, major contractor. Carrier that's like, like a trucking industry, probably. Yeah. Um, I can tell you, Safeway is requiring fully vaccinated employees to wear masks again. What? Yeah, my mom works at Safeway. She's fully vaccinated, and they just come down like a week or so ago. They have to start wearing masks again. Well, you might sneeze some COVID onto the vegetables. So if you're at Safeway, you better have a mask on. It's like you know. The sensitive is, is cutting someone open. So, I mean, you know how doctors wear masks when they're in the operating room? We all have to follow their example now. Yeah. Rock Lanstone says, I have an eight-year-old, and I'd much rather there be mask mandates in schools because she can't be vaccinated. Yeah, but here's the thing. that's You might have that you're expressing a preference. That's fine. I would say that preference is based on a horrific misunderstanding that... Uh, preference, however, should be respected, and you should be able to choose where you send your 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 kids based on that policy, if that's the most important thing for you, or to be able to lobby, you know, whatever school your kids are at for whatever it is that you want. But the idea that masking kids is just another big fraud of COVIDism. About, one is that masks work, and 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 it's. I'm going to reiterate this because I haven't said it in a long time, but. I, I, I mean, I kind of got sick of saying it, that it's if you ask science the wrong questions, your answers are not going to be relevant unless you're trying to fuck someone over with bullshit policy or, you know, fake science or misapplied science or science of snake oil. But if you put two people standing in front of each other face to face and they're both wearing masks and one of them is sick and one isn't, yes, in that exact scenario, you are limiting the transmission risk. If you ask people to wear them prolonged for extended periods of time, you are increasing the transmission risk. Because in, in, in that limited hypothetical environment that's like perfect otherwise, yes, you're putting a barrier that limits your flow of droplets and your aerosol particles in your breath. But even then it's not perfect. A lot of stuff gets out the edges and this is why for sustained use it actually has a negative overall effect for increasing infection rates because you're wearing it improperly, you're fidgeting with it, you're rebreathing oxygen, you're creating a, a, a place for uh, germs to breed. So for all those reasons, uh, it, it's, it's counterproductive to have a policy of widespread mask wearing in the first place. And this is why we get censored off YouTube, because this is my interpretation of reality. But then it's doubly wrong for kids 
because it has been shown that kids not only have almost a zero risk of contracting a, a, a serious case of COVID as in showing symptoms it, 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 or let alone dying, but something like you know, where it's 80% of the general population. And I, I, I don't know what the current number is. Forgive me on this. I, here I'm, I'm caveating myself, but uh, it was something like they, they, they talked about this at the beginning. There's like 80%, right? We're asymptomatic. What was that big number? Is it 80%? I don't remember. At the, anybody at the beginning, Bueller, at the beginning of COVID, they were saying when they were, they were trying to scare me with the death statistics, but the, you know, they, they couldn't deny certain realities of the numbers. It was like, well, yeah, among kids, nobody's dying. Among kids, nobody's getting, and if they're asymptomatic, that means they're not transmitting the virus. If you have the virus in you, you can test positive for having live viruses in you. And hypothetically, yes, it's possible you have some very minuscule means of transmitting it, but having symptoms, a cough and a sneeze or production of mucus that is your body ridding itself of a significant amount of viral load, that's the risk of spreading it, right? And if you have kids who are asymptomatic, their odds of spreading are so insignificant that the logistics pain in the ass is not worth it for masks, let alone the traumatizing effect and the negative health impacts of prolonged mask usage. So there we go. Good news Friday. We're getting our uh, counter COVIDism. I feel like an atheist railing against Christianity at this point. Like it's getting, I'm getting fucking tired of it. We just accept that there are certain, and, and again, every time I mention the, you know, the statism, religion, Christianity, I get that some people have health helpful. Well, in fact, we all, myself as a pantheist, we all have helpful spiritual mythologies that we embrace. And to those who embrace Christianity uh, as non-doctrinary and something that makes their lives better. I love y'all. You're not who I'm talking about when I say Christians in this context, but I feel like I'm I'm just like the like the old, like the atheists, you know, the the YouTube atheists who just go on and on and on and can't get enough of just you know attacking this mythology, and it's like I don't think that's working, you know, and and this is why we do Good News Friday and we talk about empowerment and mental health and psychedelics like we did for so long yesterday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mr. Kokesh, uh, wasn't it not too long ago that uh, members of one of the military services was kicking about the vaccine, vaccine that they didn't want to take it? Yeah, interesting to see what the update is. I've seen a couple headlines that were sort of non-decisive stories about how that had played out, but little advances in it, um, where the Marine Corps commandant uh, was trying to protect his Marines who... Okay. Okay, that was it. That was it. Because you know, I was, I was thinking back to my service. Okay, and the vaccinations in the service for me was in basic training. Where one day, out of the blue, you know, we're marched up to a building, and they say, you know, take your shirts off, you leave your t-shirt on, take your shirts off, and put it on the ground in formation, you know, and then they march us all in there, and then one on each side, step forward, one on each side, step forward, one on the right side. I got five of them. I'm out the building. I'm putting my shirt on it. And then they take us across across the way over to the hill, and they have us run up and down the hill and up and down and up and down and up and down for about a half hour to get it worked into our systems. And then we went to chow, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, being indoctrinated into something like that is is very so cultish that you are 
immersed into it and you are attempting to adapt to the immersion and you do not yeah. question anything okay yeah. because now that i look back on it you know on my experience it's like we never had any chance to say hey wait a second what are you putting in my body do i want this in here or anything like that and i just i can imagine Drill Sergeant Man and Drill Sergeant Turner, one on either side of me, if I had started questioning, what are you doing? You get in line and you do this and let's go in. And, you know, and, and you just automatically, a little bit of pressure is all it takes and you crumble like a cookie. And Was it that way for you? Yeah. Yeah. I walk through a gauntlet, eight shots, four in each shoulder, and then you pull down your pants and get one in the ass at the end of the line. Okay. Um, if we heard from one marine corps colonel kicking about it and that's it and they squash that real quick does that mean everybody in all the services are getting inoculated whether they like it or not nobody's kicking and they're just taking it i don't know so that's that's the thing is i would think i mean understanding the military from my experience and yours as you just described it very similar boot camp vaccine story i would my assumption would be they would just do the same thing to all the active duty troops. It's like, all right, you got your monthly unit formation or special meeting, and this is it. Everybody shows up, and you file through, and everybody gets the shot, and it's done. And you don't have it. You don't. You don't get to opt out. There's no opting out. I mean, if you really have something like medical on your file in the military, and you go, hey, Corman, uh, can we check into this before I get the shot? Can I opt out for now? Maybe you'd have a chance. But hey, I don't like it. Hey, I don't think it's worth it. Hey, it might be a risk for me. That's not worth it, et cetera. You don't get, you just wouldn't get to say any of that shit. So the fact that there is so much dissent in the military around the vaccines, I take is extremely encouraging. Now, yeah. also encouraging our next headline in the COVID resistance block of Good News Friday, Washington Post at MSN, a school ordered a student to quarantine his dad and two men confronted the principal with zip ties. <laughs> when an Arizona school employee called a parent on Thursday to share that his son had come in close contact with someone who tested positive for the coronavirus, the dad was told his son must stay at home for at least a week. Instead, later that morning, the man walked into Mesquite Elementary School with his son and two other men carrying zip ties before confronting the principal over the school's quarantine policy. Vail Unified School District Superintendent John Carruth told the Washington Post. In a meeting with the principal, Carruth said the men threatened to call local authorities and conduct a citizen's arrest if the student was not allowed to rejoin school activities immediately. That is when the principal, who explained that the school was following guidance issued by the local health department, ordered the trio to leave. Tucson, why? Tucson. Radically, democratically, and Democrats are in charge in Tucson. They have been for a while, and they rule down there. Is that, this is Vail Unified School District? That's Tucson area? Mesquite yeah, I just looked it up. I just looked it up to make sure. I wanted to know, where in Arizona is this going on? Oh, okay, Tucson. Hmm. So, oh, hey, we got another super chat. Insight of the ages for $10. <clears throat> Jesus was killed for calling out church and state collusion convincingly his death spawned the myth the state would rather have you believe jesus was god than a whistleblower <laughs> yeah and the one time he used violence at all was to overturn the tables of the money changers in the temple even then i would say 
not violence, but thoughtful property destruction. And no, no, no. It says he scourged them with whips. Just thoughtful property relocation. Oh, oh he He's, beat them too? He well, scourged them with whips. That's violent. That's violence. That was, but that was the money changers incident still, right? Yeah. Okay. He chased them out of the temple because they did not belong there. They were invaders, and he chased their asses out with physical force. Okay, so about this confrontation between the parent and is this the principal? I think is the parent. The, I, I would think it would be the principal, but uh, yeah, it was, they confronted the principal. Uh, what do you what, what do you make of of? Are we getting more super chats than there are people in the audience, according to YouTube today? No, they're all from one person it's inside right. of the age. Really inside to of the age, he wants to they, say it gets said. They want us to wait for Christ's return versus becoming his legacy. Hey, insight, don't spend more. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're super chats are not gonna be a thing when we come back. It's it's just a it's fun. I love the mechanism, it's great. We're gonna figure out some other way to incorporate uh live donations or super chats or jump to the end of the queue during the show. Uh, but it's it, it's like we get, I don't know, 50% of your super, just on the small ones, it's like Google takes a huge commission. Um, so, hey, donate at thefreedomline.com. Um, you, can, you can donate crypto or find my PayPal there, and we'll still put your comments all over the place today, brother. All right, so... What do you guys so confronting the principal? I mean, what do you what do you make of this parent? Well, I'm, my my initial I was trying to read a skim ahead a little bit in the story and find out what basically what it sounds like is he went there puffing his chest and he, he I, I feel like he's I don't know I haven't determined whether he's right or wrong yet making a citizen's arrest for not letting his kid go to that school it's like that that's a weird those are some weird boundaries but my thought is. Did he just go there and they were basically like, no, that's not how it works. And they called. Yeah, hold on. Let's let's so hold on, Jim. Jim, let me jump in and spare this whole conversation, all the libertarian premises of this argument so we can get to this incident. Right. Yes. It's absurd to demand that your student or your your kid have a right to go to a government run school paid for with other people's money. Yes, it's ridiculous to argue with coercive, violent liars who run this system when they're not respecting your rights, your kids' rights. Yes, you'd be better off to get out. But in this situation, I, I had to put myself in, in the dad's shoes for a second. He's probably a taxpayer. I think about the Dimitri Martin joke every time I say this. Anytime someone says, I'm a taxpayer, that means they're about to be an asshole. Uh, but in this case, You've got someone who's been paying taxes his whole life and at least gets free daycare out of it for his kids. Right. Right. And and he probably thinks it's a good thing and that he's invested in this, his community's invested in this. And, and as a result of that, they do have a certain entitlement as having materially contributed to the system to have access to it as long as it exists. Right. But that being said, in this individual incident, I want to focus on the confrontation. Oh, what more super chats now? I told you. Same thing, Mike. Damn it, Jim. Uh, if you, if I'll comb, comb your, your beard, beard like Ed does. Like oh, damn My it. My beard is combed. I don't know what he's talking about. It looks beautiful, but sorry to interrupt. We are, yeah. The beard. We really are the American Taliban this morning. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I, we just, we just the, the fancy headwear. 
so there are sort of two issues here one that, that, that I want to focus on, Jim. One, the confrontation, and two, the quarantine policy being imposed on a student. Okay. All right. The quarantine, uh, I mean, they're forcing him to stay home. But they're for so the school is by saying he has to quarantine essentially all the school can keep track of even as if he's at the school or not they're not the school's not doing anything to literally watch the house and make sure he doesn't leave and he's actually quarantined you know what i mean so well hey that's australia they've got an app for that we we covered that right there's an app hey you want to track everybody yeah there's an well not only are there already limited tracking apps but australia just is is now at the level of uh, I, I think they're on the verge of uh, implementing a quarantine tracking app. Like they've got it in prototypes or limited release where you have to check in with a facial scan with your phone and a geotag to prove your identity and location through this app. That's some crazy shit. Uh, you know, we could, I, there's so many premises, again, premises, premises, premises that are wrong about this with COVID, but we're kind of like assuming we're separating that for this conversation. Yes. <laughs> yes. Number one, you cannot perform a citizen's arrest on anyone unless they are committing a felony. That's number one. So those guys, they can they threaten him with a zip tie. Now that is called menacing. You cannot yeah, menace yeah. someone. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of citizens arrest. I'm a fan of threatening citizens arrest when it's legitimate. Like you come to my door, I will arrest. If you put hands on me, I will put hands on you and zip tie you and subdue you if I can. You know, there, there are those kinds of things. But no, Ed, you're you're absolutely right. And I think about this in I didn't know that that felony was the distinction. Wow. I learned something important today. Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, no, that's it. But. The thing is, there's a different standard that you have to apply because does the average citizen have a list of their the, all the felonies on the record in their head? Fuck no. No. And for a lot of no, them, they don't know the law. That's the that's the point. That's right. the point. Well, so laws. In a case awesome. like this, though, as soon as you said that, Ed, I'm thinking, well, this could be a felony. Uh, it probably is. You could probably point out a dozen different laws that the principal is violating in dealing with this in terms probably HIPAA, um, privacy laws. I mean, who, who knows? Who knows what education policy and means? And then being a custodian of children, I would bet that, you know, there's, you know, the, the, the New York or was a Columbia Law School professor who wrote the book, Three Felonies a Day. That's the average American commits three felonies a day. If you are a professional in charge of children, you probably commit a bunch more felonies a day. They don't even know about and care about. So the standard for when is it appropriate to threaten citizens' arrest is is preemptively to deter an act of coercion or violence or something that would be an immediate thing. So I don't care if it's a felony or not. It's good to know that that's the line government draws. To me, I'm going to put someone's under citizens' arrest the same way I would use defensive force it, when it's in defense of life and limb, when they're in the process of committing an act of aggression. See how there's a different standard there, right? In the case at hand, it comes down to who does the enforcer side with? 
who does the force, the man with the gun, side with? Okay, right. are they? Is it going to side with the individual, or is it going to side with the school? It's going to go with the school automatically because it's part of the system that it's part of. So I, I at first I want to celebrate this as standing up to bullies. And there's, there's a yes. quote here, the next part of the story from the principal. He said, today was a tough day. One of the most powerful tools as adults is the behavior that we model to young people and the behavior that was modeled today makes me really sad. First, I want to say, fuck you and your feels, government employee, um, and, and your emotional uh, appeals here. Um, but I have to then ask this question, who is modeling better behavior as an adult to this child? A parent who is menacing, you know, yeah. slightly inappropriately standing up to the bully or the bully who runs the school. Well, it's and not just a bully, though, Adam. It's not just a bully, okay? If they make the child wear the mask, they are causing the child injury, okay? So he's not protecting, he's not protecting his kid from a bully. He's protecting his child from injury. That makes well, it in, case, he, in this case, it's not about the yeah. mask. Right. It's exposure, and he just wants his kid to be able to come back to school. Okay, now the quarantine bit, okay? When this whole thing started, okay, January of 2009, when they first started using the Q word, quarantine, they pulled a number out of their ass and said, we want you to quarantine for 14 days. Right, yeah, two weeks. Okay. That's one week. I caught that, too. Now... What is, up to that point, what is the standard recognized period of quarantine for all time? The 1600s, when a ship came to shore and they came to port, the, the captain had to contact them if he had anybody sick on board. If they quarantined them, quarantine is a time period of 40 days. Quarantine is 50 days. Quarantine is 40 days. They always had a 40-day quarantine for any ships. You know, anybody goes in quarantine, you go in for 40 days because most things that happen to the human body will burn out and finish in inside of 30, and they went 40 just to make, it, make sure, but it's always been 40 days. Now, after they made the 14-day quarantine period, I started jamming people up saying, why did they do this? It's supposed to be 40 days. And then later on, they said that the, a person that is infected could become asymptomatic, which means they're infectious to other people, but they aren't showing it for up to 27 days. Now, that means that they're trying to promote what was going on by choosing the 14-day period. Well, also, I'm sure there was a bit of a like logistics, you know what I mean? The 14 day quarantine made a lot more things work. People taking time off of work. If you started forcing 40 day quarantines on everybody for everything, it, it would like, it would have shut the world down a little bit more than it did. And that would have hurt. It would have started injuring their profits at that point. That's yeah, but you're stopping, you're, yeah. you're stopping millions of people from being killed with a quarantine. Okay. No, you're you not. can't and say, okay, if not right. with COVID. Right. Not with COVID. Right. Okay. To this, very, to this very day, if you ask any of the any professionals, any government, anybody, can they no one can tell you 
how long a person can remain asymptomatic and be still infectious, they can't tell you what that period is. Nobody. You know what, Ed, I, hold on, Ed. I'll bet they can tell us, but they don't want to because it would destroy the myth of long haul COVID. Okay. Well, they, they, I'll, I'll give you that, but still, there's this is all wrong. It's all yeah, wrong. It's an, another crux of COVIDism is that. Uh, you can be an asymptomatic carrier over a long haul period that is not typical of respiratory diseases. And it, I think, and again, this is, this, is, this is theorizing a little bit, reading into what I know for limited facts here, that when they had people who were immunocompromised, uh, who were dying of COVID, just like you can have the, if you're immunocompromised, you can die from the flu and you will have the virus in your body longer than a normal healthy human being who has a typical cycle of a reaction to that. And they said, well, we don't know. It's sort of like, well, what is it fat people and old people who are dying? I don't know. Let's just take care of everybody just in case. It's like, well, is it possible that this is a freaky, scary virus or it's just kind of normal and there's this long haul phenomena we're calling it now, but it's sort of like, that's always been a thing with viruses. And I think they have to keep that going because it, it it's one of the, like there are a lot of premises that we took into this, that I took into this with my, you know, college level understanding of science where I thought I knew how viruses worked. And then they challenged that and say, well, this, this one's different. You know, well, you have, you get it and you're over it and you have natural immunity. Well, maybe not with this one because of the variants. Well, if you get it, you get over it over a certain period of time. If you quarantine for two weeks, it's probably okay for a um, typical respiratory disease. Well, yeah, if you there's this long haul COVID patient thing. And so those basic things that would keep us, keep the hysteria in check have been uh, pulled out from underneath us. You know, the, the mask mandate reinforces like they, uh, the healthy disrespect for authority says, that uh, masks make infections worse by design. I don't think it's they were designed to make infections worse, but they happen to make them worse because our body works by we get something, our body immune system kills it, we exhale it out. We get it out of us, we excrete it. If you put the mask on, you can't exhale it out. You rebreathe it every time and it makes keeps the infection in there, okay? Yeah. And also the idea we've we we're kind of beating a dead horse. I mean, we've covered all this stuff. You know, the idea right. of nobody knows how to wear a mask properly. You put a mask on someone for eight hours, it builds up moisture, which is a breeding ground for bacteria and viruses. I mean, if all it those was, things are obvious by this point. If it was gonna go through the air, when you got a mask on, it's gonna hit your eyeball, and you got it anyway. So, piss yeah. on that. Right. Hi, Jay. <laughs> all right. With that, thanks, guys. That's our COVID good news block. Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I think the better analysis here is understanding COVID as a religion, that the hysteria has been codified in a set of irrational beliefs that are believed genuinely by people, not out of logic and reason and evidence, but out of emotion and psychological deficiencies that make them seek validation through the herd, through authority, or to simply 
soothe the fear that they have bought into from the specter that has been raised of the threat of this virus. And it is a dangerous cult. It is a, Buddhism is a cult. And so uh, I think this is the, I, I get sick of talking about it too. You know, this is Friday, we're supposed to talk, but I think today we're talking about it. I think I'm saying I think way too much today. I think it's getting really fucking obnoxious. I really think I should stop saying I think. But I think this, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's important. It's important to challenge the COVID mythology. It's important to challenge the COVID cult because yes. it's dangerous. It hurts people. And while we can opt out with conscious choices, the world we live in, no matter how you look at it, is a less vibrant place to live when humans are overcome with hysteria. And, and we have this weird prolonged hysteria now. I don't want to say it's unprecedented because, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Mark Twain, we had the Spanish flu. We've had other even modern proxies for what's going on right now. But the moment that we find ourselves in right now where kids who have been asked to wear masks since they started going to school think that that's the norm and there's this dark cloud hanging over everything we're going to talk about this and we are going to champion people standing up effectively i think again there i go uh one of the things i'd like to do over this three-week break coming up is incorporate more deliberate activism into the show being promoting protest events gatherings speaking events organizations and encouraging the audience to join me in this in a more deliberate way that is the challenging the cult of covid all right with that any final thoughts uh, on the subject gentlemen before we get to our guests and the rest of our good news headlines uh, no, i'm ready for the guests we got uh we got some extras i don't know if he's he sent me the picture of the libertarian booth doing a marijuana drop-off at the county fair so nice also jim we're going to cut ahead with jay to the second to last link in the stack so jay okay right on see you welcome to the program happy friday hey folks how are y'all doing today excellent excellent it's friday it's good news friday oh i I forgot to take my covid vitamins though at the end of that block man like i need them sometimes Hey, you know, I, I quote quite frequently the uh, episode you did reading how uh, how cannabis helps encapsulate COVID and get it out of your system. So I got to completely agree with you. It's the best thing you can do other than maybe nicotine to, or alcohol yeah. to protect yourself from it. Well, no, I, I say it jokingly, just to be clear. I'm, I, I, I think it's pretty obvious when I call cannabis COVID vitamins that that's a joke. Do I, I, for the sake of the YouTube censors, let me explain this is not <laughs> medical misinformation. Uh, simply referring to the fact that if you're overweight, you're more likely to have issues with COVID. And if you smoke cannabis, you're less likely to be overweight, contrary to the myth of the fat, lazy stoner, the average cannabis consumer, at least as determined by multiple studies in the United States, has a thinner waistline than the average non-smoker. So there you go. There you Uh, go. Cool. Cool. So, yeah, no, we got some good news going on up here. Uh, You know, we actually got the state fair going on now. And I got to tell you, probably about 98% of the people are walking around without masks and enjoying themselves and hanging out by each other and not afraid of each other. But, but the people who are, are the Democrat booth in anything that state, like the DNR, shut their uh, doors and said, you can't come in our building this year. Oh, so, hold on. I just, 
just to limit the, your enthusiasm for a second, because this is awesome. This is a huge thing. But uh, I, I would guess food service employees also are masked. Uh, yes, Re okay. because they're required to by the state fair. Government agents and Democrats. But the state fair didn't try to order all the attendees to mask. Or the cops. And I'm telling you, there are cops everywhere. You know, and that, that was a fun part about doing this drop-off station. Every time someone would come up to me, right, we'll play a quick clip. But they go, what the heck is this? And I go, hey, man, you know, just in case you're nervous, there are cops everywhere out here. And if you're paranoid, you can drop it off and we'll take care of it. We've got certified disposers and we'll properly dispose of all of this stuff for you. Don't worry about it. And actually, I, I, I got to get out to my van in about 15 minutes for a little disposal session. You know, did, did, so, did anybody drop anything off? Uh, I haven't seen any this year, but we did it about five years ago and people actually did drop stuff off. Probably so, like, well, yeah, I think there are two cases where that's possible, right? Either like, oh, shit, I forgot I had this joint in my pocket. You know what? I'd rather not worry about it for the day. I got another one in the car. That's funny. I'll give it to these guys. Or it's just, you know what? That's funny. I'm going to break off a chunk of my stash just to throw in to say good for you, right? That's it. I can't tell you how many people stop by, stop and look at it. One guy looked at it and go, that's brilliant. You know? <laughs> And it brought so many people into our booth because it catches your eye. And I got a couple of little jars, if you want to put the picture up again, that I took some bark out of the yard and I painted up green, okay, and put a little orange stripes on the green and put them in the jar. So it kind of looks like weed from afar. Yeah, you can see the jars down there. And so people, everyone wants to come up and get a close look. And the first thing I say to them every time is, hey, 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 that's for leaving, not taking. And then the yeah. conversation goes yeah. from there. Nice. Nice. So 98% of the general public at the state fair is Minnesota, right? Oh, communist Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, so pretty heavy northern Midwest Democrat run statist environment. Right. Backwards Democrat run statist environment. Absolutely. People around here get up every day thinking they're better than everybody else. And, you know, Florida's kind of half backwards in places and, and they got it figured out all over us. You know, it's crazy how it goes. And, you know, not to offend people from Minnesota, but I like to describe Minnesotans as they like to get up every day, ratchet their ass one notch tighter and off they go. Time uh, to judge other people, time to tell other people what to do. All right. So. For Minnesota, compared to the rest of the country, two questions. How has the hysteria been? How has the government reaction been? The, the hysteria has been overwhelming, and the government reaction has been double overwhelming. Uh, they call them, there's a booth at the State Fair, uh, Action for Liberty, I think, who had a King Walls sign up, because Walls is our governor. And the State Fair made him take that sign down, then was forced to allow them to put it back up because of public outcry. So uh, that, that, it gives you an idea. Okay. So how do you explain 98% of the attendees unmasked? Then? Just like everything else, the government doesn't represent the people anymore. The government represents itself and its own special interest. And what's good for the people isn't good for the government. So are the, are the people then over the hysteria at this point? about everybody I talked to. There's a bunch of different... Actually, the legislature here had to vote to remove the emergency powers from walls. And I, it took them vote after vote after vote to finally get there. I couldn't believe it. You know, because 
the Minnesota, the, the way I describe the Minnesota political spectrum is a Minnesota Republican is the same on the political spectrum as a Texas Democrat. No. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, it's just it's just not as bad left. And right. and the Republicans in this state, like the national Republicans, seem to have actually absolutely no nuts. They won't stand up for the people. They're part of the statist game and they want to keep the statist government going. It just doesn't end up here. It's very frustrating. There's Facebook pages like ban Tim Walls from Minnesota restaurants, you know, all kinds of things like that, that where people are definitely uh, showing their displeasure. But of course, you got Facebook hammering down on all of that. So so it's hard to get together and do this stuff, as you know, because of all, all the suppression going on. But it's bubbling up through that. It's definitely bubbling up. The people in Minnesota want to be free, just like the people everywhere else want to be free. Were there signs at the entrances saying masks recommended or requested? Because that's that's what I'm seeing a lot of places now, just retail around Arizona, northern Arizona at least. It's masks recommended or requested if you're unvaccinated, it says sometimes. But they're, they're, the signs have changed from mandates to suggestions. So what was the signage at the fair? Exactly that. Everywhere you go in the bathroom, you go around. It's all just like that, you know, uh, and even in like the Democrat booth and a couple of the news booths where they're pushing all this hysteria and they aren't going to let any of it go because we've got the hysteria going good. They are wearing masks, but they, they aren't requiring people in. And I did a little video and I went in the Democrat booth, couldn't help myself and recorded a young girl and, nice. and just talk, just talking to her you know, and ask your questions. And I said, well, geez, you're wearing a mask and I don't have to, I'll come. And she said, well, it's policy in here. I'm really, I'm like, and she got a shirt that's a vaccinated like eight times. And I said, so are you vaccinated? Yeah. She's like, yeah, it shows me her shirt. And, and I was talking to her for about 10 minutes. And, and then one, someone noticed I was recording her and came over and said, oh, no, no, uh, here, we need to talk to you in the back, Peggy, and took her away. Uh-huh. So that, that is a leftist mentality right there. No matter what, no matter what, we're going to keep pushing this hysteria. And you know what? If someone's innocently talking to a member of the public, which she was, she didn't say anything bad. She didn't say any anything contrary to her party or anything like that. We're still going to shut you down from talking. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an important lesson that I take from this or point that I take from all of this to update my understanding of where society is with COVID right now. And while a lot of what we discussed in the first half of the show today was sort of premised on the hysteria that was the start of COVID still being here, it's it's really faded a lot. This is, this is an interesting question to ask because what, what was the state fair last year? Canceled? Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. Big time. Not even like we're going to show up or do our own thing, just totally canceled. A year later into this now, and we're not going to wear masks walking around outside. They're going to ask us to, and we're going to laugh at them. You know, like that's a huge shift in public opinion. I, I would, I would again appeal to the audience in my producers club if anybody can look up some statistics that might show a decline in the hysteria over the last year and a half, but it seems like, uh, I don't know, down to, I, 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 to what it was, to, hard, 
hard to say, right? How do you measure the hysteria? To, to, to me, I, I bet if you look at the number of diehard Democrats and the number of vaccinated, you're going to be pretty close on. Because I know some diehard Democrats up here because we're surrounded by them. And, and I even know an, uh, an older lady who got criminally prosecuted for renting out a dock space so she could pay her taxes and stay living in her home. And we kind of came to her rescue and saved her off of that. But even she still thinks that the government's right. She's been persecuted. She's been through it. It was the worst thing that ever happened to her in her life. But she still can't let go of what the government's doing. And by the way, this is a lady who diehard lefty. When we went out for a boat ride last year, she came on the boat ride without a mask. 72, 73 years old. She's in a vulnerable category. So like I said, it goes back to that. You know, what's good for thee is not good for me. And, you know, everything's a hysteria and we're going to tell you how to survive it because you ain't smart enough to figure out how to wash your hands yourself. Yeah, I think you misspoke. I'm sorry for trying to interrupt there because you said the number of vaccinated is going to mirror diehard Democrats. And I think that's I think maybe you meant to say or what it sounded like you would have meant to say was the number of hardcore covidists. The number of people who, who really take COVID as the religion is, is going to mirror the number of or be pretty close to loyalist Democratic Party types. But yeah. having gotten seen is going to be a lot more than that. A lot of unthinking followers and a lot of uh, obedient Republican types and a lot of people who are kind of bullied or just kind of convinced oh. into it with their job or some other work situation where they're just like, yeah, I know the vaccine is bad, but it's probably not that bad. And I need this for work. So I'm going to go get it. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah no, I, I, I got I to completely agree with that. I've got to completely agree. According to the official numbers are, are, are vaccinated in the U S batteries. All right. So uh, with that, with that, uh, since we're 15 minutes in here, Jay, I have a, a new story from goodnewsnetwork.org on alternative energy the headline is tens of millions now have power thanks to off-grid solar systems many of them recycled while in america off-grid solar electricity is still fairly uncommon around the world it gives power to 420 million people that's more than the 330 million population of the u.s furthermore it's created an entirely unlooked for market worth more than $1 billion annually. It's unlooked for because as the first and even second generation of solar panels are nearing the end of their life cycle, renewable energy pioneers and advocates are hurrying to try and come up with ways to prevent them from inundating landfills with millions of tons of electronic waste. Jay, can you speak to what this represents in the evolution towards renewable energies, where we're able to recycle, upcycle, send used gear to third world countries? Sure, sure. I'd be glad to. Um, first of all, I know they recycle solar panels. There's a business here in New Hope, Minnesota, that recycles all kinds of different stuff. And they'll take in solar panels, I think, 30 some cents a pound something like that, and, and then they'll recycle it. So, so the recycling aspect's already here, at least partially. And I'm sure they're not completely recycling all the crystals and stuff, but they're getting what they can off the panels. That being said, the issue with sending second and third generation solar modules down to mm -hmm. third world countries is, yes, I understand they're doing all this and it probably works because these people aren't powering air conditioners 
water heaters, TVs, and all this other stuff in their life. They might have one small TV and power a few lights and maybe even a mini fridge if they have it. So they don't really need a lot of electricity. But these are also people who don't need consistent electricity. People in the United States do not understand how inconsistent electricity is in the third world. That's why they're third world, okay? Because they don't have the same access to this modern wonder we have called electrons flowing to you right now. So what happens in places like Africa, I, I may be going to Nigeria uh, looking at potentially installing a one megawatt wind and solar project at a university and then other campuses on the university. And the reason they're doing this is because everybody runs off of generators because they can only get electricity on average for 10 to 15% of the day. Yeah. Okay. That's everybody in the country, except of course the president and all the important people, right? Only gets a minimal amount of electricity. So when you're bringing in these old used solar panels, it might seem like a boon where it's really helping people and to help move them forward, but it's very limited in its capability. Because once these solar panels have been out in the sun for 20 years, I don't care what they say, they're going to be degrading. And now you move them to a hot environment where solar panels work work least or, or work worser. Okay, they, they do not work well. All solar panels are, are rated at 72 degrees Fahrenheit. The hotter it gets, the worse they work, the colder it gets, the better they work. So hmm. when you're moving them to third world countries, which are typically in warm climates because they can't afford heat or whatever, that they're going to be hot solar panels, okay, and they're going to degrade faster. So, yeah, this might be a stopgap measure to help start getting some electricity to some places. But you know what I really see in all of this? I see all those solar panels moving from the landfills in the United States to third world landfills, third world landfills where there's no controls. Come on, man. It's good news Friday. Don't be so cynical. All right. So the uh, I, I got two follow-ups to this first. Uh, the crux of their assertion in the story is this sentence. The solution to the problem of growing solar waste is perhaps seeing that a degraded solar panel just needs a slight fix to make it nearly as good as new. Is that oversimplifying or being too optimistic? I would have to say so. I mean, after 20, 25 years, I don't care what kind of glass they have on there. It's going to be faded. The crystals... It, it, Okay, has anyone seen a vehicle that sits out in the sun in Florida after a couple of years? Well, retreat, yeah, but retreating the surface of the, the glass itself, that's like, you know, what they they're gonna have a machine that 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 buffs it perfectly. That's not a big deal. Yeah, that's just part of it. You know, that the crystals themselves. But it's like that's how you recycle solar panels and they're just old, unless you know a generation old, but they're I mean, as good as new, but you're saying, so it's, the, the crystals degrade as well. And of yeah. course, rubber, rubber components all need to be replaced. You've got, so, I mean, a solar panel, correct me if I'm wrong, is made up of uh, metal framing, connecting parts, glass on top of crystals and rubber to hold it together with electronic components that sends the unregulated charge off the device. But that's it, right? Pretty simple thing. Simple to say. Right. <laughs> not not simple to make it all. <laughs> well, people understand too that that the upcycling. So there are two challenges with an old solar panel that I see obvious as as an as a as, as a just an enthusiast here going. Uh, well, yeah, at some point glass degrades, becomes foggy, has to be reconditioned or replaced. Not a big deal. 
the rubber components and and seal like if there's caulking or or glue you know around edges things like that or holding components together like that might have to be replaced but the crystals themselves and that's kind of the crux of this how much do they degrade over 20 years in a solar panel and is it possible to make it nearly good as new well, you see, see, that's part of it. But we also have to consider that these solar panels sitting on a roof somewhere, uh, let's say it's cloudy 30% of the days, the other 70% of the days, especially in a warm climate, those things are going to be sitting up there baking like ovens at 140, 150 degrees. Yeah. Okay, so just, just the act of baking in the sunlight is going to degrade every single part of that module whether it be the rubber, whether it be the electronics, whether, you know, electronics overheat and then things short out and then you have issues. So, you know, it's a little more complex than just saying, well, if we can clean the glass and and touch this in that up, it's going to be just like new. You know what? I got a great comparison for you. Years ago, they used to sell retreads. Who out there, raise your hand, knows what a retread is. A retread used to be where they would take a tire, they'd knock the tread off the outside, and they'd put a whole new tread on it, okay? And then they'd sell you the tire back as a retread at a discounted rate. The problem was, especially once the vehicle started going faster, those things would just spin apart on you when you're on the road. They weren't safe. That's why you don't see retreads anymore. And the cost savings and the market corrected. Right. Absolutely. So it's the same thing with solar panels. To me, the way to do it is you actually recycle it. You pull all the aluminum frame off, you pull the crystals out, find a way to mash up the crystals so you can separate the uh, uh, aluminum or whatever inside connectors and the solar crystals themselves. Then how do you rehabilitate these crystals? And and then you go and remanufacture a new panel with your recycled parts. Okay, so yeah, sounds like you're you're more of a fan of that raw material recycling than the reconditioning upcycling. So my my sort my last relevant question to this is about the way that the technology tends to leapfrog in places where it's been suppressed or limited in certain ways. And I, I'll get to the example, but to your point about the manipulation towards things that are inefficient there's a lot of that in solar there's a lot of that throughout alternative energy it's all government policy it's all tax policy and instead of people doing the right thing for the market to create value create the best gear for the lowest price with the materials we have and the understanding that we can bring to this it's well well if we put this in it and we make it with this metal we pay less in taxes than if we do it with that or if we if we upcycle we get a subsidy if we if we recycle and and melt it down we don't because that's the industrial whatever all these all these bullshit things driven by emotionally driven politics. But anyway, the example of leapfrogging in this case seems like there might be an opportunity for a parallel with off-grid energy the same way there was for digital money in Africa. And it was because they got cell phones before they got reliable banking services. And what mm-hmm. they using was cell phone minutes and it was widespread i don't know i don't know how much this is relevant today with because this is with with i think with dumb phones they were trading minutes as currency while national currencies were failing or unavailable and this was actually more private they didn't have access to banking services digital transmission uh, but they could share minutes they could trade minutes 
you remember this, right? I mean, this is like 90 shit in the United States, right? You yeah. buy minutes on a phone plan. Oh, send it carry over a minute. <laughs> that's yeah. that's some old shit. Uh, but and, and so I assume Africa's past this by and large, moved on to uh, smartphones. But uh, and 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 we see crypto booming in certain ways. But I wonder then, is there a similar opportunity for perhaps? And I don't even know what it would be. Maybe just more efficient solar. I mean, maybe it, at some point, you know, uh, solar is so cheap and efficient and portable that it's it's implemented in rural villages in Africa where there's a demand or there's a charity that puts the money and gets it out faster. And all of a sudden, Africa's like solar is the norm there and America's behind. You know, if, if you really wanted to help Africa in that manner, what you'd be investing in is putting a group together that runs around Africa and installs solar and wind powered wells. So everybody's got fresh water. OK, it's yeah. the basics. It's the important stuff. And you start building with that so that people don't have to worry about getting water every day. They can worry about building their community. They could worry about farming. They could worry about education or other things. Okay, so that's how you do it. Just like I said a few weeks ago, to me, if you really want to export help to third world countries, we'd be sending garbage incinerators to make electricity everywhere. They got a garbage problem. They don't have electricity. We solve two with one with, with one thing. So yeah. the, the, those, those are the types of ways to me to really help third world type countries start entering our age is to give them the, the basics they need and then let them do it for themselves. Because they're, they're going to build their community the way they want to. Some communities may not want to have a lot of electricity. You know what? I hate to tell you, Facebook and Twitter, a lot of communities just ain't interested in you guys infiltrating and putting division in their community. They like to have their communities the way they are. So, like I said, we give them the basics and let them build up from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Any final thoughts today, sir? Oh, yeah, by I do. Ed said in the comments, you want to know if you had any more turbines for sale? Yes, yes, I do. All you got to do is contact me. Go to my website, gogreenenergyonline.com. There it is. Contact me, and we can work on that. I'm actually working on a potential project in the Bahamas at 70 wind turbines at 70 houses they're building. They, they want to be a microgrid. Uh, we could be replacing four wind turbines on a uh, skyscraper in San Francisco. Then I got that big project going on out in Africa. I do want to switch gears a little bit, and I know it is Good News Friday, but we do have some bad news for Minnesota, and it's completely 100% related to the war on drugs, this war that we can somehow supposedly win by moralistically judging others and telling them what they're doing is so wrong, we're going to jail you for it. And we had a friend of ours who's in jail right now because last night, over a little bit of pot, uh, some gang members kind of went after him and he had to defend himself and shot and killed one of them. Now, I'm oh, not too privy to what it's, it's in the paper. I'm not too privy to the story, but here's my point. It's all about a little bit of pot. Okay. Pot was legal and they could go in the liquor store where that pot was and buy a joint or the liquor store right there and buy a joint instead of a bottle. This issue wouldn't exist. Yeah. Okay. People wouldn't be going to jail uh, gangs would have less money, less power. The police departments would be smaller. All of this would be positive 
for everybody. And it's time for us really to reconsider the war on poverty, the war on drugs, the war on terror, the war on COVID, all these wars we have that are unwinnable inherent things to me meant to keep us, the masses, subjugated. Well, thank you for joining us, Jay. Is there a, a way to help your friend? Is he? Are we just going to be sharing um, that if some legal defense issue? It sounds like uh, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, ha I'll have something for you by Monday or Tuesday. How's that? Yeah. I'm going to talk to my, my son, Kaler. He, he's really good friends with him. The guy's worked with me before. He's a great kind of gentle giant guy, you know? And, and so, yeah, I, I would love to uh, be able to help because I know he's going to need help in this situation. And so I'll talk to Kaylor and we'll get a message off to you with some, maybe we will get a GoFundMe account or something going for him. Hopefully there's nothing to hear and the, the, the legal system is able to vindicate him relatively quickly, but uh, yep. that's yep. not usually the case. Nope, not at all. All right, folks, get to my YouTube channel, Turbine Guy, right? Sign up. I need more subs. Watch. The, I, I got my uh, marijuana drop-off station videos there. You can watch and have a good time. And it was really fun at the Libertarian booth because there were actually people who did not know what Libertarians were, but would or end up taking our little test, signing up and understanding they are now. They really were Libertarians and they want to be part of the group. Yep, absolutely. Thank you for joining us today, Jay. See y'all. All right. To the headlines again. Good news. Now, now we're getting to the actual good news, good news part of the show, right? Studyfinds.org. Better brain power with age. Some mental abilities actually improve after turning 50. I think it's all downhill for your brain after you hit 50. Think again, like a fine wine. Some mental skills such as concentration and paying attention to detail, believe it or not, actually improve with age. Now I'm, I mean, I'm reading, I, I, I'm reading this myself for the first time going, okay, like I, I read the first paragraph. I was like, yeah, we won't put this in the show. And I think we're going to get into how they substantiate it. I'm like, concentration, paying attention to detail. Those are more trained things from my experience, but there would also be an age trend with those that might have an overall effect on this. I would like, and maybe there, maybe you, you define concentration or paying attention to detail in, in a certain, you, you define that or, or through a, a certain measurement in a study, right? Um, so it's, you know, you found five of the 10 hidden widgets. So you have more attention to detail, whatever it is. Um, and then at least you have an objective metric for your study. But I think like when I was in the Marine Corps, and, and even when I got out, and even today, I think as a, as, as a lingering result of that, we are trained to a certain attention to detail in the military. And a big part of that is situational awareness, right? Just if you're going to be in combat, you have to be a situationally aware person and be conscious of that, at least at all times. What is your situational awareness? Like, you know, when you put your head on the pillow and you go to sleep, your situational awareness goes to insignificant. If you are alert and your eyes are open and you're paying attention to everything around you and you're not talking, I know if I'm talking, my situational awareness is compromised and that I can't hear anything that's louder than my or quieter than my voice. Right. And it, 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 for people who have been in the military, 
or at least in combat arms, you see people. Well, this is why the Marine Marines hate the Air Force, right? Because they don't have to have that same kind of situational awareness at all. It's it's different, but you can tell that there are some people who live so much in their heads or are, are so directly connected to someone, people they're around in conversation, they have no situational awareness and they're really fucking annoying to be around because they're always doing clumsy shit. Logistically, I don't mean like physically clumsy sometimes, but uh, just, oh, I was I didn't know that. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't paying, just paying attention to surroundings is kind of attention to detail and concentration. I feel like when I was doing math at the high school level was actually when my concentration abilities were the best, at least in that realm. Again, training, but back to the story. The exciting discovery could lead to better therapies for Alzheimer's, say scientists, senior investigator, quote, these results are amazing and have important consequences for how we should view aging. The study of hundreds of older people found two key brain functions get better from our 50s onwards. They include attending to new information and focusing on what's important in a given situation. They underlie memory, decision-making, and self-control and are even vital in navigation, maths, language, and reading. So it sounds like some of this is just discernment, right? the program in your brain gets better the more data it has. It's a learning program. It improves with time, with experience, with more information being fed to it. So um, memory, I mean, that's a whole other thing. Decision-making and self-control, navigation, it says maths. That's how the British talk to talk about it. It's, it's maths as, as plural. Then what is a math, British people? Hey, we invented the language. Yeah, well, you fucking idiots. You spell, you put a U in color? Really? A, a P in pneumonia? Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, but anyway, the idea that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting hung up on the Britishism of maths, if that's what this is. Um, it's so like focusing on what's important in a given situation. That doesn't sound like your brain functionally improved or the hardware improved as in with age. It's just that you got more experience, right? Your programming got better with data, but the statement goes on. People have widely assumed attention and executive functions decline with age, despite intriguing hits from some smaller scale studies that raise questions about these assumptions. But the results from our large study indicate that critical elements of these abilities actually improve during aging, likely because we simply practice these skills throughout our life. So there it is. You can practice more. You can fall off your practice. And maybe this is just something to appreciate about how the brain, the human brain just gets better with time and, until it doesn't, um, until, until it just physically deteriorates, right? But as long as it's all there, uh, and this is, I, I mentioned this yesterday in teasing the story because uh, we covered this a week ago, but I think it's actually very important, worth repeating in terms of our understanding of human metabolism and just managing our own healths. Health. Healths? Plural? Did I just go do a Britishism? Anyway, uh, it's like going to the hospital. They say, uh, what, what, uh, going to hospital. You're like, what? 
No, there's the there. Wait, you, huh? Um, but anyway, health. To managing our health, a lot of people, as they get older, use the excuse for getting fat that their metabolism is slowed down. And that's not true, scientifically proven untrue. There is a point of decline as you achieve catastrophic aging. But through 50s and 60s, it's you can maintain your metabolism as in your core metabolism determined by your genetics and biology as opposed to your habits doesn't slow down significantly. So that's pretty cool. Um, Ullman believes, this is the author, deliberately improving these abilities will help protect against brain decline. We have a comment on this subject. Project Incomplete on YouTube. Heard about your channel from Timcast IRL. Look forward to hearing your POV point of view on the world. Uh, thank you. Appreciate that. And it's interesting to see that it, people, because I, I don't know what happened. Uh, I saw the clip where uh, Ian mentioned me a few days ago. And then we responded to it on the show. And then I sent him that clip on Twitter. He said he'd rectify it on the show. So I guess he, they must, must have mentioned this again. If, if they did, please send me a, a link and a timestamp. Uh, if you could please, Adam at thefreedomline.com. Or if you're on Telegram, you could probably just message me. But uh, yeah, t.me slash Adam versus the man. You can uh, get in our public channel there. So I hope they corrected it or something. But it's interesting to see that you know, we, we have this numerical comparison that I, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. How do people like uh, Ian and Tim and the, the female woman who's on the show, uh, I forget her name. I don't want to, I don't want to say it, uh, but I only know Ian's name because he's the one who was talking about me. And uh, of course, I know Tim Poole and his channel has a million subs. He goes live. And had what a quarter million views at eleven hours from when I watched the broadcast that I was mentioned in, and that seems fair. You appropriately engaged audience for YouTube, and with our channel, we only have a quarter million viewers, but we don't have the same proportion of viewers of live shows. Not even close. Not even like one thousand. Uh, so the proportion analysis of those numbers is certainly suggestive of a very deliberate uh, attempt uh, at censorship or, or uh, campaign of shadow ban uh, with YouTube. Uh, and I think we see this uh, on Facebook and the other big platforms as well. Stephanie Hiley, I don't know how you ended up in my suggestions. This is the first time watching you and you definitely have my attention. Pretty darn interesting discussions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very firmly. I appreciate that. And, you know, so th one more thing I'll say about this. And I, I, I this, this last year and a half of doing Adam versus the man in this format has, has certainly been challenging with this. And I, I just kind of keep going at it. And I want to keep talking about what's important to me and sharing my point of view. And I think it's a point of view that is all the more affirmed in its importance by this censorship. And 
I would hope that if I hadn't been experiencing this since about the time YouTube was got bought by Google, by the way, yeah, uh, I, I would think that my channel's growth trajectory would have me at about a million subs right now, and I'd be neck and neck with Tim Pool-ish. I don't know. A lot of other factors. I don't want to play that game, but you, you just look at the numbers even proportionally. I, they still tell me I have a quarter million subs. We go live and have 13 viewers, and you go, mm, mm, something doesn't add up here. And it's really demotivating. It's like I'm motivated intrinsically by the message of freedom, which to me is maintaining my spiritual grounding as a warrior that led me to enlist in the Marines while misguided uh, in the first place. And I want to challenge the injustices of the world as best I can. And, and one of the reasons that we are taking a break <clears throat> and reformatting is to acknowledge the reality of that censorship and shadow banning rather than just complain about it. So one of the things too, is you think about what's, what's the financial difference when you have YouTube work versus not work. Uh, and really in my case, it was, you know, built up to a quarter million subs and then it was kind of taken away from me in that sense. So in terms of its actual usefulness. Anyway, thank you very much for those comments. For anybody who's here from TimCast, I very much appreciate you joining us. And uh, I hope you'll take some time to consider why this message and not others is so censored. What a threat this represents to the institutional injustices of the world that we stand directly opposed to. Mr. Mrs. Blair again on YouTube. Better not mess with Adam. He's going to be a part of my life. All I have to say. Oh, yeah. I think I know who that is. All right. <clears throat> Looking forward to seeing you in Gardenia, dear. All right. Back to the cases. Or back to the story. Back to the headlines. Dementia cases. That's what I meant by cases, right? Dementia cases worldwide are expected to triple to around 150 million by 2050. I'm like, wait, 2021, 20, that's 29 years from now. I thought we we're going to, are we going to be uploading our brains into robots by then or something? Uh, but this is the projection based on current dynamics. I don't think it's going to be this bad. With no cure in sight, there is an increasing focus on lifestyle changes that reduce the risk. For their study, the international team looked at three separate components of attention and executive function in 702 participants Ages 58 to 98, when cognition often changes the most, the brain networks are involved in alerting, orienting, and, ex and executive inhibition. Each has separate characteristics and relies on different regions, neurochemicals, and genes suggesting unique aging patterns. Alerting is characterized by a state of enhanced vigilance and preparedness in order to respond to incoming information. Orienting involves shifting brain resources to a particular location. The executive network shuts out distracting or conflicting information uh, remarkably, only alerting abilities were found to decline with age. In contrast, both orienting and executive inhibition actually got better. The latter two skills allow people to selectively attend to objects and improve with lifelong practice, explained the researchers. The gains can be large enough to outweigh any underlying neural reductions. In contrast, alerting may drop off because this basic state of vigilance and preparedness does not get better with implementation because of the relatively large number of participants. Anyway, uh, 
So this is a pretty exciting little study that, that, yeah, I mean, this is like why I wanted to get into psychology. I have my undergraduate degrees in psychology. And it's because I think there's, I think I should stop saying that. There are a lot of ways that we can probe the functioning of the human mind without cutting it open, without any special materials, just by putting people to the test, putting them in different situations in a lab, getting them to respond in, in you know, to different challenges and see how they, how they react. And this is how uh, the things that I reference on the show as critical to my understanding of human psychology and understanding society and current events and standing up to injustice and activism and all that are based on things that I learned as an undergraduate in psychology. And if, if you don't know, like the sort of big, you know, studies that, that, that you hear me cite, like the uh, Milgram obedience studies, the uh, Stanford prison experiment, uh, those are two really big ones for understanding how government and obedience and authority work. There are a number of ones sort of related to that that are important to me in my understanding, especially with downward social comparison theory, which is very important to understanding statism, tribes, in-groups, out-groups, all that. But anyway, to technolo technological advancements with the last, oh, wait, we still got 30 minutes in the show because we started so darn late today. All right, goodnewsnetwork.org, synthetic wood, wood alternative made from sustainable kombucha waste wins 2021 Dyson Award. This year's American James Dyson Award winner, Gabe Tavas, takes on deforestation with his invention, Pyrus. Not Pyrus, not Papyrus, Pyrus. So yeah, like spelled like Papyrus, but without the pot at the beginning. His mission is simple, make wood without cutting down trees. By embracing a balance between nature and design, Gabe found a way to use bacterial cellulose, the main component of wood, to form an alternative material which imitates exotic woods found in the Amazon rainforest. We will have fake wood and you will be happy and it will be better. Gabe claims his ambition for creating global change came from what he calls the immigrant, excuse me, immigrant influence. His mother, now an immigration attorney, moved to the U.S. from Cuba as a small child and his father from the Philippines at 17. So more, more to, the, to the wood here, though. Every piece of wood has two essential ingredients, cellulose, which provides its basic shape and framework, and lignin, which acts as a glue for all the other components. Some kombucha companies use microorganisms that produce coherent sheets of cellulose on top of the liquid. To make pyrus, these sheets of cellulose are blended to an even consistency and then embedded into a gel. As the gel dries, it hardens and is placed under a mechanical press to form a flat sheet of wood-like material, which can then be sanded, cut, coated with resins, just like its tree-based counterparts. Pretty cool. Very, very cool innovation that I'm kind of thinking, like, I, I hope this doesn't get killed by corporatism. Someone's gonna buy the patent, like who killed the electric car? This is a pretty exciting revolutionary development and one that seems way overdue. We've understood the structural concept of wood as a material. We've understood its utility. We've understood that the most efficient way for us to get something of that function is to chop down a tree and mill it. But what happens when we get to the point of industrial productive capacity that 
it's cheaper to reprocess waste and turn it into wood-like material than to cut down a tree and lose the value of the tree, which is historically factored out of the price of lumber because it's it's subsidized uh, one way or another. You get my point. Most large-scale uh, timber collection is is somehow uh, managed by government policy rather than by market forces. So the actual value of those trees isn't factored in. To me, hey, I'm a fucking tree-hugging hippie, literally. Okay, I don't hug them very often, but I love my trees. I groom my trees. I bond on my trees. I, I water my trees. I take care of my trees here. I love the Rocky Mountain and Utah junipers on the property here. So when I see the way that humanity has committed deforestation as a libertarian who believes in self-ownership and property rights and the non-aggression principle, I go, this is a violation of basic concepts of, of homesteading natural resources. You can't just destroy shit. I mean, you can, and if government stops you from uh, being held accountable for your actions, you can be, but this is only possible in the first place because we allow government management of so many lands that, oh, we, we don't have to value those trees until they're cut down. And I think that's, just a, a, one of the tragedies of modern society that with stories like this, we are innovating our way out of. Speaking of innovation, WSJ.com, the Wall Street Journal, the road to self-reproducing machines. Advances in technology will soon allow us to build machines that replicate themselves and evolve like living beings. Oh, shit. Yeah, the nanobot people are coming, right? No, and I think back to when I was doing the show in 2013 and 3D printers were first becoming a commonly available thing. I was very disappointed they didn't take off more. I used to joke all the time, when 3D printing technology gets to its next level, the only question is are you going to get one at the store or are or are you going to have your neighbor print out the parts for you to put it together yourself and what's more likely it seems now is that you might have 3d printing with shipping or regional 3d printing that you might go to walmart and they'll have like they have the like the subway the mcdonald's the eyeglasses place, the financial place, the customer service, the bathrooms, the 3D printing shop. And there will be an attendant who manages the machine because people don't need manufactured shit all the time. So having it maybe printed remotely delivered by drone is going to be more likely than you in your house having a 3D printer and managing it, maintaining it, knowing how to work it because it's not that simple and having materials on hand for it. Whereas if it's somewhat centralized, it's going to be easier to scale up. It's going to be a lot more efficient. You're going to have better product and you're going to be able to get other materials in practical use faster. 3D printing with metal is already happening on a limited scale. It's going to scale up very quickly here. The only scenario I could see where you have a 3D printer in your home is when it gets to the next generation, like 20-ish years from now, generate a few generations ahead of where we are today for 3D printers. And it's like 
that uh, it was uh, the Orville, right? The uh, um, Star Wars or uh, Star Trek parody, uh, and in one of the scenes there, they they've got a microwave that they just like talk to and say, "Make me a Twinkie." Press a button, and it's like Twinkie appears. I'm assuming there's some scientific theory behind that along the lines of molecular 3D printing, rearranging molecules in the air to make a Twinkie. When you get to that point, and it's as easy as, it's like the Star Trek replicator. They have the replicator. And on the ship, you just say, create, make this, and it makes it. You know, that's like, that's what we are on the verge of as a species, as intelligent life on Earth, and having the technological capacity to achieve, to achieve Freaking amazing. Until then, somewhat centralized I, drone delivery. You're going to have that Walmart. The uh, Walmart's going to have drone delivery incorporated pretty soon so that you can have a, a robot. When you place your order, walk around the store, put all your shit together, load in a drone and fly it to your house instead of, <coughs> of having to go to the store. What actually ends up being the most efficient under government regulations and current technology when we get to that point, I, I don't pretend to be able to speculate. I'm just offering one interesting likely possibility that I'd like to see. So to the Wall Street Journal story, throughout history, creative human engineers have taken inspiration from artifacts of the biological world. Leonardo da Vinci designed flying machines, submarines, and tanks with birds, fish, and tortoises in mind. Today, Artificial neural nets, a computer architecture directly inspired by animal nervous systems, are the cutting edge of machine learning. But none of those applications get to the deep structure of biology, likely a beacon of future creativity. As the Nobel Prize winning biologist Paul Nurse explains in his recent book, What is Life? The deep structure of life is the existence of physical units, cells or organisms, that can reproduce themselves, allowing small variations. Those ingredients, reproduction and variation together drive evolution by natural selection. They generate a diverse population that can survive changes and exploit new opportunities. Yeah, we're about to be able to program this shit. Remarkably similar tricks working on different scales underlie many other key biological processes. Embryos developed from single cells into mature organisms after several stages of growth in humans, a few dozen, where each stage differs a little from the previous. Thus, the fertilized egg's diverse progeny eventually includes heart, liver, and brain cells. The right kind of cell emerges in response to signals in its local, physical, and chemical environment in a kind of guided miniature evolution. So this is the premise of the story. And again, links at t.me slash Adam versus the man. If you think about these premises of how nature works and life finds a way, right? Then you have to be looking at today's technology and be like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. We could at least conceive of something, making something like that within our lifetimes if we're not already capable of it. Who knows what DARPA's got behind closed doors? That's a defense agency for advanced Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. It's the, the, the secret science arm of the Defense Department. Uh, Rock Landstone, uh, tag is far more advanced than we know. Exactly. Yeah. 
uh, right on the same point there. So the article also points out self-reproducing machines could unleash the power of exponential growth, thus enabling audacious engineering projects. They might bring the science fiction dream of terraforming astronomical bodies within reach. Again, Star Trek, remember they had that terraform bomb that you could take like a bare planet and you just drop this bio bomb on it and like and it spreads genetics and magic powder all over the planet and then like it's a jungle the next day probably unrealistic for the timing of that but it who knows it could yeah you're not going to turn a bare planet into you know grow jungles in a day like that's yeah Biodiversity has certain time limits, obviously. Healthy disrespect for authority. If the military industrial complex didn't get first shot at new tech, it would be better. Yeah, no, it's not that it would be. Well, yeah, of course it would be better. But it would also be more widely distributed. One of the greatest crimes of government that is holding us back is, is the manipulation of research in academia and in the market. It's mostly taken out of the market and put it in the hands of academia and government agencies. Uh, but even in the market, it's well taking it out of the market and giving it to corporations, products of government, government agencies, or uh, academia, which are funded by government and grants are largely controlled by government. And so they own the patents. And so their incentive as government, as always, is to preserve their own power, right? The fundamental purpose of government, if I may remind you, is to keep the rich getting richer at the expense of the rest of us. So they are going to use whatever resources humanity gives them, allows them to steal from us to serve those ends. And unfortunately, especially as it relates to COVID right now, we have really done a, a poor job of making sure that our efforts uh, as, as scientists of progressing human knowledge as a species is you know, not held back. Uh, there's a lot that can be done to bring it back into the realm of peaceful actors and away from violent actors and the profiteers of violence through the status coercive system. So uh, anyway, <laughs> back to this though. Does anybody know the gray goose scenario? I can explain this in like a minute. We have enough time? Yeah, all right. We're going to get to the rest of our headlines today. It's going to be a good show. It's already a good show. It's a great show. I'm having fun. I hope you are. My hair is dry. I don't look as slick as I did at the beginning, though, do I? The gray goose scenario. Uh, I don't know who came up with this. I want to say Kurt Vonnegut, the sci-fi uh, writer, but that's not really fair. I'm calling him a sci-fi writer. doesn't give him enough credit either. Because it's like Ice Nine, which was an invention of Kurt Vonnegut in one of his books, where Ice Nine was a unique molecular crystal that if you dropped it in water, it immediately turned all of the water to ice nine uh, or to ice effectively, it made it solid. And so once it was invented, and this is the science fiction part, right? Once it was invented, it was only a matter of time before one molecule of it hit the oceans. And it did. And that was the premise of a very fun book. I forget the name. Kurt Vonnegut. I went through a phase. Look him up. If you haven't read any Kurt Vonnegut, I highly recommend it, especially right now for the dystopic thought exercises that so many of his novels contain. So to the Grey Goose scenario, the Grey Goose scenario 
achieve something at a bigger scale than ICE-9, perhaps. Worse, the Grey Goose scenario is self-reproducing nanobots that can make themselves out of any physical material. So you drop one of these on my computer and it goes, oh, great, this is metal. We can work with this and uses it to just, it chips away and it 3D prints little pieces and makes the next little bot. And then boom, you've got, it just keeps going and going and go. I'm looking down at my laptop like, oh, shit, is that one? Is that one? No, but it, it could hit the plastic and turn that into a different version of itself <coughs> or reprocess it at the, I don't know, atomic molecular level. Obviously, to create the nanobot necessary for the Grey Goose scenario to happen, we need to, there, there are a few technological leaps that humanity hasn't achieved yet, but they're on the horizon. Where you go, well, the specter of Ice-9 is pretty horrific, but not realistic. The specter of Grey Goo, if someone were to invent such a nanobot and drop it on the Earth anywhere, you let it out of its cage, it, it just goes and does its thing. I don't think that's realistic anywhere in the near future. And I think that requires too much deliberate human action for someone to actually do it because it would have to be, I don't know, a crazy person, someone malicious. I assume that in an environment where the resources, oh shit, now it's like, oh yeah, government bringing resources together for research without accountability. I was going to say, hey, well, mad scientists are not often funded by the free market. It, they're, they're usually the product of government or some grant or some other ridiculous uh, imbalance of, of wealth and power that allows them to keep be, do, doing the mad science thing. So the gray goose scenario is kind of a realistic potential apocalypse for humanity. Ed Vallejo, Eric Drexler, explain please. Um, did I quote someone? Is that the person who came up with the gray goose scenario? If so, thank you. And we'll leave it at that. I think, I say I think way too much, especially when I haven't slept well. We, as humanity, may be the gray goo of the universe. This is my weird little pantheistic, theoretical, religious belief on where we all came from. Perhaps at one point in the history of the universe... Everything was packed into a singularity of a black hole that exploded in a big bang that created the universe that we live in today. And at some point, galaxies spun off of that hot expanding mass and eventually stars and planets formed. And eventually, and perhaps here is the first and only place in the universe, just the right combination of elements came together of the primordial soup that created the first proteins out of inorganic material that eventually became single-celled organisms and multi-celled organisms. And I talk about this in a very positive way in terms of humanity being more competitive when we cooperate with each other, when we're more peaceful societies that are always in conflict will be outcompeted by societies that are able to get along and be productive as opposed to always fighting. No shit. We are the bringers of order from entropy. And perhaps as we upload our brains 
into robots that can fly throughout the universe, but have an ever, ever present need to consume resources to keep moving. Perhaps we end up with those robots our brains are uploaded into or cut out into, perhaps even like a, you know, like Futurama jars, heads and jars, but attached to big robots or as the pilot of, a, of an international, excuse me, inter, interstellar, <laughs> international, an interstellar vessel. And throughout the universe, we just keep going, getting bigger and bigger and bigger and sucking in more and more resources. And next thing you know, we are the gray goo of the universe that brings it all right back to the singularity. Ed Vallejo, the term was coined by American engineer Eric Drexler in his book, Engines of Creation, in 1986. And I guess it has now achieved common enough usage as to, for the, it's, it's okay to forget the attribution, right? All right, goodnewsnetwork.org. Follow-up, really, I, I should have covered this after the story about the parts of your brain that get more effective with age. This headline is related. Is this the end of Alzheimer's? MEND protocol, that's capitals M-E-N-D, protocol of precision lifestyle changes, leads to compelling clinical trials. Yeah. Clinical trials of a new precision or functional medicine approach to targeting and reversing cognitive decline from Alzheimer's has produced unprecedented and far-reaching results called the MEND Metabolic Enhancement for Neurodegeneration Protocol. It's based on the oft-ignored, though universally understand, understood preference, going all the way back to Hippocrates for treating the cause, not the symptom of a disease. Developed by Dr. Dale Bredesen. And inter by the way, there's no profit in treating the cause. If you treat the symptoms, you can keep people hooked on pharmaceuticals and vaccines. Oh, did I say that? That's medical misinformation. Let me take my code of vitamins and make sure we don't get censored on YouTube. Is Snoop Dogg going to be with us today? Uh. It works to fix and fortify the underlying biochemical profile that gives rise to Alzheimer's rather than simply targeting, as pharmaceutical companies have tried to do, the tau protein called beta amyloid that brings about the hallmarks of the disease. Neuroscientists have firmly established sleep as the only natural defense mechanism we have to protect our brain from the toxic beta amyloid proteins that cause, cause Alzheimer's. But Bredesen has now shown in a series of human clinical trials that there is a panoply of conditions that must be met in order for a human to develop Alzheimer's. And if these conditions are corrected, even the elderly dementia can be reversed. So they put this together with a bunch of little stories and figured out the underlying patterns and figured out exactly how Alzheimer's is caused by lifestyle habits. So the Bredesen protocol, now the MEND protocol, um, Let's see. I want to I get to the, uh, the nuts and bolts about it. Toxins like heavy metals, black mold, and air particulates, metabolites, and biological detritus like the beta amyloid targeted by dementia drugs. A lack of neurofortification arising from... Here it is. Here it is. Do you, do you, can you figure it out? you see where I'm going with this? 
Can you guess? A sedentary lifestyle of the body and mind. All of these contribute to the conditions that give rise to neurodegeneration. Use it or lose it, sister, right? That's how it works. That's that's the human condition. That's the body we live in. And your brain does not exist somehow separately from your body. It, it, it boggles my mind sometimes how much we have be, been conditioned to be separated from basic body awareness, self-awareness by modern education systems, the powers that be, that you don't know inherently that you need to eat good food to send good energy and nutrients to your brain for your brain to work well. Gosh, if you don't do that, shit's going to deteriorate. So this is the thing about your mental functions improving with age. If you have adopted a lifestyle from age 18 that caused neurodegeneration, you're going to slowly get dumber and dumber throughout your life. If you maintain a healthy lifestyle that's not sedentary, where you exercise your brain, you limit exposure to toxins as, as, as practically best you can. So, yeah, you are able to maintain your your quality of life right up until the end. I don't want to pretend that like, oh, yeah, you, you, you're just perfectly healthy and then you die. No, obviously, that's not how it works. But in terms of using aging as an excuse for being slower in your brain or your metabolism, no, fuck you. That was your personal choices. You ate yourself to stupidity. Gray, fasting is the ultimate medicine. Yeah, not going to weigh on that complicated subject. I do interval fasting, though, every day. WSJ.com. We're going to have to hit the last ones fast. I work. I had a lot of rants. I had to work into this block. Wall Street Journal, the future of everything health section. Cannabis researchers seek to unlock the healing power of pot. I mean, I, I didn't need to get into this. I read the headline. I was like, yeah, duh. Why is this on Drudge Report? Cannabis contains dozens of rare and intriguing compounds, but they haven't been easy or cheap to produce. That is changing. So that's pretty cool to see that this wonder medicine, this wonder drug, we just keep discovering more and more capabilities of it. And that now at this level of legalization, we're able to get to the next level with mainstream research. Remember that point? Mainstream research resources we are going to find even more things that cannabis can do. From goodnewsnetwork.org, nutrient-rich human waste is poised to sustain agriculture and improve economies, say researchers. I mean, I poop in a bucket out here and I feed it to my trees. I, I, I don't know why everyone makes such a big deal out of shit. It's like we're all phobies, phobiacs, phobiacs, whatever. Um, really, it's crazy. And I get it. There's an inherent biological uh, revert revulsion to poop. You know, yeah, shit is bad. And we relied on that instinct in primitive societies. And at this point, we should have a rational understanding of human waste. And the way that we do it now with government and waste processing and sewage is fucking horrific when you know how much better the alternatives could be. From Bloomberg at Yahoo!, We've got half of all U.S. half of U.S. small businesses have unfilled positions. As I mentioned earlier, I don't need to get into this. This is just a feel-good story for me because I've always got volunteer positions with Adam versus the Man, with Homefront Battle Buddies, with the Gardenia Sovereignty Project. I've got shit going on. I've got projects. I always need help. And it's been weird this last year and a half 
I guess when everybody is feeling uh, good and taken care of, you know, it's easy to get them involved in things. And you know what? Hey, sorry, guys. Fuck it. We're going to go a couple minutes late today, too. It's our last Friday show. I'm going to get to these headlines. Uh, but especially right now, it's just really hard to get people to engage in activism or entrepreneurship or to take a chance with uh, a business or a job that, that pays partial or complete commission, as, as uh, I always have available, stuff like that. So anyway, for any of that, if that's interest to you, email adam at thefreedomline.com, please. Goodnewsnetwork.org. Very cool development and agricultural application of basic technologies that we've had for a long time. Irrigation system talks to plants to find out when they need water, cutting water use by 30 to 50%. And to me, this is just obvious and awesome. And it's like, whoa, yeah, about time. So the listening to plants is about detecting moisture demands obviously more efficient irrigation systems right now being implemented in large scale agriculture with things like this are already resulting in massive leaps and bounds in efficiency reducing i mean think about this in, in reducing water use by 30 to 50% that means that in some systems they're using twice as much water as they actually need to because they just have like a simple unthinking automated watering system. Just by timing it and targeting it, they use half as much water. Well, guess what? Hydroponics, aeroponics, all of the next level agricultural developments are going to get to a whole other point of efficiency where food is cheap and abundant, at least, uh, everything that can be produced this way, the cost is going to come down radically. You want to end world hunger. You don't need a government program. Get the government out of the way of the innovation and the market will take care of it. But more importantly, charity will be unleashed to make sure that it's implemented in a, in a humane, compassionate and empowering way rather than a narrow minded view of profit kind of way. Goodnewsnetwork.org. First Galapagos study of pink iguanas reveal new details and rangers believe they can be saved. So yeah, here's to the uh, the pink iguanas, the Galapagos Islands. From independent, theindependent.co.uk, Apple's Siri violated the privacy of millions, says whistleblower. I know it's a little bit out. This is more like should have been the headlines beginning for, you know, good news type stuff. Obviously what's good news is that this is like, it's good news for me because I'm a vindicated fucking conspiracy theorist again. <laughs> I need new conspiracy theories, right? Because all the ones that I came up with have come true. No, I'm always I'm always projecting forward in understanding what government is really up to. And in this case, I was actually looking at this story or this phenomenon of modern technology and communication, perhaps from a bias towards looking at government rather than corporations, which again are creations of government. But in this case, they're talking about Apple contractors listening to users' Siri recordings without their knowledge or consent. And for, I don't know how long, a decade? 
I mean, this is when I was actually, no, when we had cell phones with Iraq veterans against the war, when I joined, it was 2007, 14 years ago. And I had a clamshell back then. Rudimentary text. Remember, you have to like use the alphanumeric keypad. You don't remember. That's okay. Uh, tough times. First world problems. Even then, there were certain times with other anti-war activists, mostly leftists, actually. We would say, we're going to leave our phones in the car. We're going to put the microphones that we carry around with us everywhere out of earshot for this conversation. Because it was just assumed that that was not a secure line. And that they could, and this is the fact of having the electronics connected to the internet around you. If it's got a microphone, it could be recording, it could be passing it on. And it's the, the, the wrinkle in the story that is important to me in modifying, aside from being proven right, is that there's an even lower level of access. I was thinking government agencies, CIA, FBI, backdoors, subpoenas, private or secret court orders, shit like that. And no, it's just, there's no expectation of privacy. Contractors, Apple contractors. So employees, government agents, anybody who wants to get into that system, uh, to what extent things are actually being recorded, it's, it's out there. Any bad actor who wants to get into that, probably not that hard to get hired as an Apple contractor if you really needed to get into that system. I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying you can just go look it up and go like, oh, what did Adam say on this date? You know, obviously it's a lot more complicated than that, but it is more accessible than I had thought previously. Another little health update to round out our good news for the day. Last story of the week from goodnewsnetwork.org, is your goal to walk 10,000 steps? Science shows we need less. And you better trust the science. And I think about this too with some of the stories we covered earlier, even about your mental health improving after, for your mental function improving in, in certain ways after age 50. It's like, wait, wait, 50? Only the idiots take these numbers as absolute guidelines even, uh, or as, 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 as like critical truth. So when I hear this, this step story, I'm like, what, how did this become 10,000 steps? That became the thing somehow. That's a lot of steps. You're going to get that many steps. That's what you need to be healthy. So the story says registering 10,000 steps a day with a pedometer is a fine goal that deserves celebration, but far from being a doctor recommended dose of activity, it's actually a complete myth. The good news is that for most people whose physical activity is limited to walking, one need only accumulate between 4,500 and 7,000 steps a day to reduce, sometimes dramatically, their chance of dying young. And I, for people who use the Fitbit or one of those step counters, pedometers, whatever, uh, to track their activity, if it's empowering to you, hey, I support you. I'm all for it. I just hope that as soon as possible, you can learn to listen to your body well enough to not ever be in a situation going, oh my gosh, I've only got 4,250 steps in a day. Got to get my other 250 in because I don't have any kind of concept about what my body is telling me or how it works or what my overall physical activity level is or how to maintain my health in the first place because they don't really teach us that in America. So with that, that's our empowering message for the end of the show. Also, connect that, the story in the middle, 
Alzheimer's. Don't eat or sedentary lifestyle yourself into Alzheimer's either. All right. Ombudsman Ed, any final thoughts on today's show? The last Good News Friday. <clears throat> My last final thoughts, Adam, is uh, a sincere thank you to all the commenters that I have interacted with. I mean, I can tell some of these people are just wonderful, wonderful people. I mean, we get trolls now and then too, but, you know, one of the themes last night at the memorial was spoken that a man said, when I left my mom, she looked at me and she said, wherever you go, find family. Okay? And then he said, that's true wisdom. And he said it with tears in his eyes. Now I'll tell you what, there are people in this chat that have become my family. I'm serious. I mean, uh, both of my other co-hosts, all right, Anthony Ralston and, and Steve, they were both commenters out of the audience that I brought into the show, and they ended up as co-hosts. And, and it's been a wonderful experience with both of them. And I look forward to working with you in the future to make mankind better, Adam. Thank you, Ed, and thank you for helping with this opportunity on our last news Friday put this run of the show in perspective in our worldview, our activism, so that we can take this break and come back stronger, rebuild better. Uh, I could sure use it. That's our calling. I, I will. Uh, I, I said it the other day when the Ian Crossland Dimcast thing came up. You know, like, I'll sit here, and if there are 50 people who want to listen to me every day, I will put the effort into putting a show together every day. But given that we are all putting this effort in, it's irresponsible of us to let this turn into an emotional indulgence rather than effective activism and to kid ourselves about that. And when we've put this much effort into the show and gotten us to this point over the last half, I, I, I take all of the support that I have received over the course of my career as an activist and cherish it very, very, very dearly. I take all of the effort that everybody has put into my book, to my name, to this show, the battle. But every time you shared a story or a tweet of mine or I got some weird mainstream media news coverage, whatever it is, I appreciate it and cherish all of it. And I really do appreciate it that way, Ed, and bring that to this Thank you. when we relaunch in the Wednesday evening format. So with that, thank you, sir. Jim, give us the producer notes. What's going on? Great show, everybody. I got some notes for you. T.me forward slash Adam versus the man. That's where you can go to support this show. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. Instagram at the Garden of Freedom is the where you can find pictures and videos. Homefrontbattlebuddies.com, the crypto, the number six, and gogreenenergyonline.com. Those are all the places that you can, uh, all the websites we want you to visit and that we promote. And I want to leave you on this Good News Friday with I already know you know what's coming the most beautiful princess ever. This is the best Good News Friday ending, I think. And she's thinking about all the fun she's going to have with Grandpa as she grows. That's her, my granddaughter. So that's all I got for the day.
Love y'all. Have a good weekend. Uh, see you Monday and Tuesday for our last Monday and Tuesday shows. And finally, from goodnewsnetwork.org, on this day in history, September 3rd, 1783, the United States won independence from Britain when the American colonists signed the Treaty of Paris to end the Revolutionary War. May we end the rest. Mwah. Peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. Thank <laughs> you.